Welcome to Sermons of Grace with Pastor David Murphy of the Grace Baptist Church in Gambles Terrace, Antigua. Previously in our study of the book of Romans chapter 12, Pastor Murphy showed us that the process of biblical change must start with the mind. Today, we'll see how vitally important the Bible is in the life and sanctification of a believer. All right, turn with me, please, to three passages of Scripture. Of course, we're still in Romans chapter 12 at verse 2. I'll also ask you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. And then uh, I just want to read one verse in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, most of you could almost repeat that by verbatim uh, this morning. Remember, we're dealing with change. He said, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, he said, But we all... With open faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. And notice the words, even by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit is changing us. And then notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, I read this before. He said, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So you've got the Holy Spirit working and changing the believer and you've got the word also at work in the believer's life. So the corrupting influence of worldliness is so powerful and so pervasive that Paul tells us the only sensible solution to the problem is that we've got to have our minds renewed. And here's the reason. I mentioned the mind is a control center. Your mind produces thoughts. Your thoughts affect your feelings, and you act according to your feelings. Let me repeat that again. Your mind is the control center. It all starts in your thoughts. Your mind generates thoughts. Your thoughts produce feelings, and you act on those feelings. So here's my point. If you want to change your feelings and change your behavior, you've got to change the mind because that will change the thoughts. And that's why Paul says, be renewing of your mind. That's where it all is. Your mind is either controlled by God's word or your mind is controlled by your sinful nature. Let me show you the difference for just a moment. Let me show you two Davids. The first David, I think I heard Nathan's uh, give this thing this morning. The first David is a guy who is battle-weary. He's been fighting in war for a long time, and he gets so tired. At the time when kings go forth to war, David decides he's going to stay at home. He's tired. 
He's not a man who's now writing the Psalms that you read in, in, in the book of Psalms. He doesn't have time to meditate and think and reflect and write Psalms. He's a, he, his, his mind has been engaged in warfare. He's so befuffled. He, he just won't rest. His thoughts are not on God. So what happened? David goes in and, he, and the devil knows that. The devil knows that. The devil says to David, you're tired of war. Go home, man. Take a little bit of rest. But he doesn't know it's a trap. The devil is way ahead of him. He doesn't know it's a trap. So the devil uses his weakness of his flesh to lead him to leave the battle when King should go forth the battle, he in battle to go home and rest. And the devil's plan is this. I'm going to let you lay down a little while and then after you rest, I'm going to bring you up to the balcony. So come up to the balcony. David goes up to the balcony. But the devil has a woman next door who is outside bathing naked. You can imagine seeing a naked woman. She throw back her hair. She bends the devil. What? Where is this? That's David without God. Now when David first went up and he saw somebody, David should have gone back down. He should have gone. But his thoughts are not on God. He's wild, we're worried. So David now becomes curious. I wonder what size she wears. Woo. How long was it here? Like, like that dimple, that nose. Man alive. He begins to examine. And guess what? The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And then David said, wouldn't it be good, the ambition to have a woman like that? Even at that stage, it should have been over for David. He should have gone back down and said, God, I can't believe I, I, I watched this thing. You know, you can't stop the birds from putting it down on your head, but you can start them from putting a nest on your head. You don't have to think about these things. See? The second look is always a dirty look. See? A wrong look. See? And then uh, David made inquiries and found out that this woman is uh, Uriah's wife. And then, they, uh, then David found out that Uriah, Uriah, but Uriah is fighting. He's doing my battles. Now, could I ask you a question? Should not at that stage when he realized that he is sleeping in a bed, a man out there killing himself to protect David, should he not have had sympathy for Uriah? But here's the nasty thought the devil said He is away. This is your opportunity. And if you don't take this opportunity, David, you're going to miss it for life. He went and he took the woman. That's David without God. David's thoughts are not in God. He's weary, he's tired, he's exhausted, he's not thinking straight. Let me show you the other David. Listen to him. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. You see the two Davids? See? One that is guided by the word that restrains him. One that in his weakness, the thoughts of God is out of his mind. All he is thinking about is fulfilling his flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the ambition to have a woman like that. That's all he's guided by. But then we read later, and we remember Psalms 119 verse 11 that says that. Not one of the early Psalms. He's, no, he's gone through all of that. And don't you kid yourself, there must have been other opportunities that attracted David as well. He was a king. But thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. He's now become a word-filled believer. And that restrains. His thinking is now changed. He now wants to consider pleasing God 
rather than pleasing self. I think there's a practical example of what we're dealing with in here. I pointed out to you that this matter of transforming the mind uh, and renewing the mind uh, is a demands a, a divine human cooperation and partnership. I mentioned that. The Holy Spirit, as I pointed out to you previously, that Holy Spirit is the one that's renewing your life. He is actually renewing. Uh, we, we looked at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and Romans chapter 8, verse 18. We studied those last week. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, and 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. We also pointed out the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of sanctification. Romans chapter 13, verse 6. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. The Spirit of sanctification. He's at work. And he is trying to renew your life and renew your mind. Every day you live, he's at work to sanctify you. That's the divine part. That's the internal work that he's doing in your life. That is the supernatural part that you can't see. And that work goes on because he's the Holy Spirit trying to make you holy. And that's why he said he will dwell in you forever. So while he's at work in your heart, he is completely working to transform you. That's the supernatural part of, of the whole matter. But then there's now the human part where the Holy Spirit is transforming you, but he transforms you through the word. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That's what happens. The Holy Spirit now needs the word to transform you and to sanctify you. Because as I pointed out to you before, our minds are being affected every single day by one or two things. Falsehood on this side, truth on this side. Every day, you are bombarded with falsehood well, hopefully if you're in church, by truth. But that is what is changing your mind. Now here's the problem. If your A-gate and your I-gate are open only to falsehood coming in from the internet and television and, and uh, social media, that's all you're watching. Imagine you watch that eight hours a day. Eight hours a day, both your I-gate and your A-gate, television, you're listening, you're plugged in, you're listening, you're plugged in. Eight hours a day, seven days a week. 30 days in a month, 365 days in a year, you spend four to five hours a day taking all that stuff. And then I ask you by comparison, what is your eye gate and ear gate taking in in terms of truth? How many hours of truth you're getting every day? You tell me. You see why you're the way you are? And you find it so difficult to change and you find out why it is I have... I've been saved for so long, but yet this thing still dominates my life. I've been saved for so long, but I still have this purient taste. Why hasn't that changed? Well, have you cut off the spigot? Have you cut off the spigot? So the point I was making here this morning, and I made before, is that the part, the human part, is to do two things. You ever notice in Paul's writings, he tells the believers that you... Put off, and then you what? Put on. You ever notice that? 
you put off something and then you put on something new. In the case of the mind, you got to shut off and you got to let in. See, That's the same point Paul is teaching. You cannot keep both spigots open at the same time thinking it's going to change you. Because more of this is coming in and more of this is coming in. And that's why this is changing you rather than this. What you need to do is to cut off most of this as much as you can and let in more of this. See, Now the mixture begins to change. Imagine pollution, polluted water coming in at one channel. Fresh water coming in one here and it's going into the whole cistern. How in the world am I going to reduce the pollution? If that is not shut off, it keeps coming in and this keeps coming in, it's not going to solve the problem. What you've got to do now is to shut off this. Reduce it. Open this. Let more come in. Ah, now you get a transformed person. Do you understand this morning why you can't change or why you haven't changed much or why it's so difficult to change? The problem is this. You're letting the wrong thing in and you're spending too much thing on the wrong thing. You know, people say, but Christianity doesn't work. It's not a Christianity work. We haven't tried Christianity the way it should be tried. See? And that's why people say it doesn't work. Imagine a young man coming to me as a pastor and said, Pastor, I got a problem. I got a problem. He said, What's your problem? He said, Pastor, I got a problem with pornography. I want to know, and my mind is so dirty, Pastor, that when, when women walk into the church, I undress them already. Because my mind is so polluted. And by the way, there are people like that, I don't know if you know that. They can't meet a woman except they try to imagine what she looks like naked. Because they've watched so much pornography, that's all they, their whole mind is so polluted. Now imagine a man like that comes to me and says, Pastor, what did I do? I said, sir, are you really serious about this whole matter? He said, yes. So I said, if you're really serious, you're going to have to follow the direction I give you. If you're not going to follow the directions, let's end the counseling session right now. I said, sir, here's your problem. You've got a polluted channel that is coming in. Tell me how you get into pornography. Well, I, I got a computer, I got my cell phone, and so on and so forth. And I said, that's the channels? He said, yes. I said, well, let me tell you what you've got to do now. Get rid of the channels. And that's where the fight begins. That's exactly where the fight begins. Because he don't want to get rid of the channels. And I know one thing. So long as those channels are still there, he might go for five days, six days, but eventually he can let it in again. You've got to get rid of the channels. So if you want to solve the pornography problem and you don't want to deal with that, it's, you're wasting my time and you're wasting God's time too. Because I can be helping other people. See? And then the other thing I would tell him, okay, you deal with that now. I want you to let more of this in. So you've got to do some Bible study, some Bible reading. Okay? Again, you've got war again. I don't have time, pastor, for that. But how come you've got the time for pornography? Tell me. Which, where, are you, where are you spending your time? See? You see why counseling is so difficult? It's not that they're not biblical solutions to the problems. It's just that we're not prepared to discipline ourselves to take the Bible seriously and apply the Bible. And that's why after 50, 60 years of being a Christian, these same old things that beat you all the time are going to beat you down. It's not that you're not saved. It's just that you're not sanctified. See? Different thing altogether. You're saved eternally, but you're sanctified on a daily basis. 
The point I'm trying to labor here, that the first responsibility of a Christian is to shut off the spigot, but the second thing is to open up the truth. So you now got to get the word of God into your life. Let me tell you this. If you're not reading the word and you're not studying the word, you're a weakling spiritually. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been saved in this church. You're a weakling. You will always be weak. Strong meat is what you need. And that's to get seriously into the word. The word will transform you. The word will change you. It's at work in your life. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Give the Holy Spirit something to work on. If you don't know scripture, you haven't read scripture, you haven't memorized scripture, how is the Holy Spirit going to bring that to your mind? You tell me. You think it's just siphoned on because you happen to rub shoulders with another Christian? No, it is a personal matter that you, you have to discipline yourself to acquire the knowledge of the word. The truth of the matter is, is this. Let me just tell you what the truth of the matter is. This is a closed book for most Christians. It's really a closed book. They go home, they put it on the table, and the only time they remember it is when they come back next Sunday. And sometimes they don't remember where to put it. It's not a regular part of their life. And that's why you can't change. That's why people say, but I know she... She's been coming to this church for so long, but she's the same old person I knew 20 years ago. I know he. He's been coming to this church, but he's the same old person. Same mannerism, same attitude, same everything. Nothing has changed. It's not that they're not saved, but they're not sanctified. See? Does that disturb you? If it does, examine yourself. See? Examine yourself. Ask yourself if these things are not so, if they're not true. But you find difficulty accepting them because, you know what, it disturbs you on the inside. It, it skins you. It pours in uh, the acid. It pours in the lime, the salt. See, and that's not what you want. You came here to get your ears tickled. But what I'm doing, I'm abrasive to your ears. See, because that's the only way I'll ever get your attention. The Bible says the time will come when men will not endure song doctrine, but will keep to themselves teachers having itching ears. They want people to tell them what they want to hear. See, that's the age in which we live. But that will not be this pulpit uh, while uh, the pastor is in this position. Now that brings me to the whole question of understanding what is the purpose why God gave scripture and why is the truth that the spirit used to sanctify you. I want to show you how powerful scripture is. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I don't want to come back to this, so just bear with me for just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and uh, verse 14 to 17. Notice what he says. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good. Now let's, let's, let me point out two things to you here. Paul does two things about the scripture to let you understand how vitally important the Bible is in your life as a believer. First of all, he talks about the nature or the character of scripture. He says three things about the scripture. And then secondly, he talks about the purpose or design of scripture. And he mentions four things in that matter. Let's look at these for just a quick moment. First of all, notice in verse 14 uh, of, the, of the chapter, chapter 3, uh, he says, but continue thou with the things which thou hast learned, and uh, we have learned them, and then verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known what? The what? Holy. The first thing about the nature of the scripture is that it is holy. That's the character of the scriptures. Now the word holy here is not the word hagios. It means uh, holiness. The word uh, used here is the word called herios, and it means sacred. Sacred. It is something special. It's not just holy in the sense that it's set apart. That is also true of the Bible, by the way. But the point is that it is sacred. It is something unique, something special. Something that belongs to God. That's what makes it sacred. For example, this is just a piece of wood. But because it belongs to the church and is devoted to God, it is sacred. And that's why he mentioned to you in Barbados where people broke into the church and stole on top of the communion table. People like that have no sense of decency. They have no fear of God. It's an insult to do that. It's been devoted to God. Sacred. There's no other book in the world like the Bible. Could I say this? There's no other book that contains truth like the Bible. Whether it be the Vedas or the Upanishads or whether it be the Book of Mormon or the Quran, they're all wrong, all false, all misleading. Not of God. This alone is sacred. Of God. By the way, I mentioned this thing because you know there's a movement in Israel called Chrislam now. Have you heard about it? You haven't heard of Chrislam? Where a lot of the prominent leaders like Rick Warren, you probably know about him. Tony Campolo, you probably know about him. Rod Dell, I don't know if you know about him. See? Uh, Bill Hybels, you probably know about him. These men have now signed a document with the Muslims. Virtually saying we're going to work together. You just happen to call God by a different name. We call him Jehovah. You call him Allah. Your, your Quran got Jesus and all Bible got Jesus. The problem with that is, is that the Quran Jesus, not the Bible Jesus. Because the Quran Jesus was never crucified. He was never resurrected. He's just a prophet. And the, and the Islamic God is not the God of the Bible. Their God is not a trinity. It's a unity. So it's not the same God. But that's what Christlam is. And there's a movement in the States now to bring Muslims and, 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 and so on. And by the way, I will, at some other point, I'm going to deal with Christian leaders who are misleading the church in a sermon. The Catholic Church has embraced the Muslims as saved. I will give you the quotation for the Pope himself. That's where we are in Christianity today. I don't know if you that's where we are. It is frightening. 
By the way, do you know the Catholic Church accepts evolution as true? Did you know that? What I'm saying to you that when it comes to the word of God, the Lord says it is sacred. Different from any other book. Special. The other word that Paul uses here in verse 14 of chapter 3 is this. Notice. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise on the side. See the word able? Wrong word. When I say wrong word, don't misunderstand me. The, the literal word is, it has power. It's dunamis power. The word of God is not only sacred, it has power. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. The word of God is quick and powerful than any two-edged sword, dividing us under the soul and the spirit, and the discern of the thoughts and the mind. You talk power? So it's not only sacred, it's powerful. That's why in Thessalonians, Paul said, it's at work in you. Get it in you. And it will start to work in you because the Holy Spirit will use it in your life. See? It's powerful. And then the last thing that Paul says is starting to character the book. Look at what he says in verse 15, 16. All scriptures given by what? So it's not only sacred. It's not only powerful. Paul said it is inspired. The word there is theos, uh, putos. And that word is from two words, God and puma. God, theos, puma is breath. All scripture is God breathe. That's the word, God breathe. In other words, the Bible is as much the word of God as if God came down here and spoke to you. God breathe. I like the way Dr. J. Adams put it. I want to quote it because I can't put it any other way. I think it's an admirable way in which this is what he said. He said, if you were to literally to hear God's voice, he would say nothing more, nothing less, and nothing different than what you have in Scripture. God breathe. See? This is God's word. See? And that's why it must be part of your life in order to have this renewed mind. Sacred, powerful, and inspired. But quickly, because we want to come to an end, what's the purpose of Scripture? What's the purpose? Again, go back to the passage of Scripture and see what it says in verse 16. It is profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And here's what I want to put it. The use of it of scripture is that it's good for teaching or doctrine. In other words, it tells you what God's will is. It declares God's will. But then he said, it is for reproof. It not only tells you what God's will is, it tells you in the Bible what is not God's will. For example, it tells you that marriage must be a monogamous marriage between heterosexual couple. Those people who are two men and two women, they're not married. They're married before the law, but not married before God. That's not marriage. Man don't define marriage. God defines marriage. See, I remember one time I went to a conference in um, St. Croix. And uh, that question was raised. Uh, 
what does a pastor do when two men come into the church and they claim to be Christians and they're married? What does the pastor do? <laughs> I sat there trying to listen to what these people are going to say. And nobody have any guts to stand up and say anything. I said, well, listen, they're not married in the first case. And they can't be a member of the church in the second case. And put them out of the church in the third case. No, I, I, I can say that not because that's me. That's the word. Because of the word, I have the authority to make those kind of statements. So if you're a little bit angry at how I say that, understand I'm just a messenger. I must tell you what the word of God says. If you don't like it, it's not that you don't like me. You don't like the word. See, That's your problem. So if the cat is in the wrong direction, turn around the cat. See, The word not going to turn around for you. You got to do the turning around. So it tells you what God's will is. Will is doctrine. Reproof. It tells you what God's will is not. And for correction. It tells you how to fix that which is not according to God's will. I repeat. It tells you how to fix which is not according to God. It corrects you. You've probably been listening to the program recently. A woman wrote and asked, what do you do? I did it on the radio. Uh, I am... I had problems at home and birth, blah, 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 and uh, situation at home was so difficult, I ended up going to sleep with my boyfriend. We were living together for two years, for a year now. I want to get married, but he tell me you got to wait two years because that's his policy. <laughs> I, I, I could, ladies, let me just tell you this. You got to be more sensible than that. Don't tell me that you're that stupid and that ignorant. I can't believe that's your intelligence. I said, madam, let me just tell you something. Number one, I am sure there were alternatives to leaving your bad children and going to live with this person. There must be alternatives somewhere. So first of all, you should look at those alternatives, okay? That's the first thing. Second thing I told her is that, you know, marriage just takes a ring, two witnesses, and the pastor, four. So you don't have to do anything to get married other than call the pastor and get two witnesses. And then I tell her, if you want a big splash, because that's the problem with a lot of people. We want people to see we get married and put on all this, 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 this blah, 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 and so on and so on. So I, I can't live in two years in sin just to get the big splash. I said, no, no, no. You can get the big splash later. But only the big splash. But get your life right and get your conscience solved. Marry. And then later on you catch your hand. Then you have the big splash. See? So I told him, if he tell you two years, leave him. Leave him, right? Because it will be two years and then two more years and two more years. I said, you found yourself in a sex trap. You better get out now. That's the kind of advice the pastor gives, straightforward advice. And trying to get nobody call me, pastor, I don't like you. I don't like the way I, I couldn't care less. Honest to God, I couldn't care less. What anybody, once I know that this is the word, you can scream and shout and, and do everything. I ain't moving. And I'm not saying something just to tickle your ear to please you either. Look, if you don't start standing up for truth, I don't know where in the world you're going to find people standing for truth. Because everybody wants to be liked and loved. Everybody got to be tolerable. You got to include everybody. The Christian faith is an exclusive faith. Only people who are Christians going to heaven... 
only. Does that bother you? Let me tell you why you, why you think the way you think. You've been listening to the world ideas all the time. There's a time when you believe that because the word of God is important to you. But now your mind has changed. It's now become hallowed and mellowed. See? And you no longer discern truth from error any longer. The Bible said God will send them strong delusion that believe not the truth. That they would believe the lie. And that may be where you are. That may be where you are. So what I would say to you as a Christian is that if what I'm saying is true, and follow the logic of what I'm saying, okay? I'm not asking you to like me. Gosh, that's not the way. I'm asking you to follow the word, okay? That means now as a believer, if I really want to have my mind transformed, I've got to read the Bible. I've got to study the Bible. I've got to meditate on the Bible. I've got to memorize the Bible. I've got to listen to the Bible. And I've got to apply the Bible. See? See? Does that make sense? So go down and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the people who sat so patiently and listened to your word explained and expounded. I pray that you'll help us to wise up and help us to develop some backbone to take a stand for biblical truth. Help every believer in here this morning to be aware that the Holy Spirit indwells them and he is doing a renewing work day by day. But make us conscious that we have a responsibility as well. We have to give the Spirit the word to use. He has to get into our minds so he can work in this transforming task of his. May there be a divine human cooperation this morning in this matter of sanctification. And I ask, Lord, you give every believer in here, help them to really spend some time re-evaluating what's been happening in their lives. Take a clear look at these spigots, truth, falsehood. And ask ourselves, help them to ask themselves, which one is open? Which one is shut? Which one needs to be regulated? Lord, we know that the television is not evil in itself. We know the computer is not evil in itself. We know the cell phone is not evil in itself. We know that certain TV programs are not evil in themselves. It is how we use it and what we watch and what we hear. We can control that. That's within our domain. So we're not asking God's people to just abandon the modern technology that's available to them. But we're asking them to exercise prudent judgment on these matters. Help them to appreciate what is happening. A mastermind has come up with an unbelievable strategy of how to keep the believer away from godliness and move towards worldliness. He is actively engaged. He's called the God of this world. We're told the whole world sit up in the seat of the evil one. He is manipulating the means that we have available that let the sewage into our minds through the air gate and the eye gate. Help us to see what is happening. Open our eyes, O oh Lord. Make us more keenly aware. And above all, would you give us that holy discipline that's needed to control these matters. We thank you so much. You've not left us in the dark. All over the world, 
we've said in the beginning of dealing with this series, 200 different forms of therapies have been concocted by man, originated in man's mind to deal with this problem of human behavior and changing people. 200 different. When all is so very simple that God himself has revealed to us the secret of transformation, the secret of change. Oh Lord, may we treasure your word. May we love your word. May we read your word. May we study your word. May we memorize your word. May we apply your word. And may we appreciate you for giving us your word. Work in our lives. Change us by your Holy Spirit through your word in us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Be sure to join us again next time here on Sermons of Grace as Pastor Murphy shows us the purpose of biblical change. If you'd like to contact Pastor David Murphy or Grace Baptist Church, please call 268-462-4230 or visit during one of their service times. Sunday school is at 9 a.m., Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Sunday evening at 7 p.m., or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Grace Baptist Church is located on Rowan Henry Street in Gambles Terrace, Antigua.